This episode is brought to you by the Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor, which is home to the people and businesses tackling the grand challenges facing humanity and shaping the future of food, energy, medicine and mobility. Linking two of the UK's powerhouse cities, it is one of Europe's most exciting growth stories. They aim to improve the health as well as the wealth of this unique region by bringing together businesses and political leaders to amplify the region's existing collective strengths and create a place where people and businesses can thrive. To learn more, visit techcorridor.co.uk. Welcome to Inside the Bradfield Centre, where we tell the stories of the companies, the partners and the staff that make the Bradfield Centre community so special. I'm James Parton, the Managing Director of the Bradfield Centre. And I'm Adelina Chalmers. I'm known as the Geek Whisperer. Joining us on today's episode is Rachel Drury, who's creator and director at Collusion. Welcome to the final episode of 2021. It's hard to believe we've now got nearly 40 episodes recorded of the podcast. It's certainly been an enjoyable process over the last 18 months, and we've certainly learned a lot doing it. And there's a whole bunch of really interesting conversations to look back on if you get some time. So, Rachel, thanks so much for taking uh, the time out today to come on and have a chat with us. Um, Why don't we start off with the easy stuff? Why don't you kind of introduce yourself and give us a little bit of uh, colour on your background? Uh, Hi, James. Um, I am Rachel Drury. I'm the founder and co-director of an arts organisation called Collusion. Uh, We create and produce new public artwork, so our own and other artist projects that explore the creative use of technologies and also the impact of emerging technology on society. Um, We're really supporting artist talent development, so really trying to provide opportunities for artists to try new creative technologies in sort of risk-free or lesser risk ways and also to support placemaking um, to deliver dynamic and imaginative new experiences for the public. I have been working in the arts for about 23 years, uh, mostly on the policy and strategy side, working for Arts Council England, and um, was really involved there in placemaking and partnerships. And I started to get get involved in thinking about how artists and organisations were using technology in their work. And it really struck me that there was a gap strategically in Cambridge. Why wasn't there more, you know, innovative, um, risk-taking new artwork involving creative technologies coming out of Cambridge when that's certainly happening in places like Manchester and, and Brighton and Bristol? So I did a sabbatical at the University of Cambridge Computer Lab exploring this issue and talking to lots of people here and in other places. And, and kind of really that was, it was, a, it was based on this gap opportunity, you know, um, that's, it was on that basis that I started Collusion. Would you be able to give us an example of a favourite project or something impactful um, that you've done? We've been operating since about 2014 and over that time we've um, developed a whole range of interesting projects. Um, One of the ones I think a lot of people in Cambridge remember us for is Data Shadow, working with a young artist called Mark Farid um, that was inside a big blue shipping container. Um, And as you approached, um, a window popped up to put your login for your iCloud, but it was actually a fake. 
Um, and basically, as you walked in the container, you signed a disclaimer, signing your rights away. I mean, it told everyone what was going to happen, but obviously people don't read these things. And as you went into the container, it it stolen your text messages and photos and in the container there were two connects that were two shadows of you two moving images sort of reflecting back at you your own text messages and photos and obviously showing how easy it was for people to access your personal data and the true value of that and this was before all the kind of Cambridge Analytica scandal um, in 2016 so we were quite early off the bat with that. More recently we've worked with an artist called Jamie Gledhill um, this year on a project called The Multitude, which actually again used connects, but to create a kind of two player um, socially distanced uh, experience that was like a modern fable um, for people essentially to kind of collaborate to save the world as part of this storytelling and interactive story. Um, and, you know, we've worked with a lot of tech companies as well. Um, one of the exciting projects we did with Cambridge Consultants a few years ago was called Datacosm and worked with an AI they were developing internally um, and an artist called Joe Lawrence and ultimately created a, a multi-layered film, sort of a choose your own adventure film. But essentially the um, story was driven by a live pianist who, um, depending on the style of music they were playing, the AI would... Um, define that music and it would play different layers of the film basically so the the kind of experience of the film would change depending on the music so i just really love that kind of mashup between um art and technology and and obviously rachel we've known each other for a few years now and always been coming along to the stuff that you're involved in and taking a look at the exhibitions and would love to figure out a way to do something at the bradfield at some point in time or or, you know, some kind of tech art festival in Cambridge and get involved in that. Where, I mean, where do you get the ideas from? I just love the way it kind of brings nebulous ideas to life and, and makes them real and, you know, tactile and hands-on. Is that kind of really sparked the imagination and engagement with the general public? Yeah, it does. And I mean, I think the kind of, you know, what we're looking to do is to facilitate, I suppose, the relationship between artists and technology and technologists, uh, as well as higher education. So, you know, by introducing artists to technologies and technologists, you kind of find this real creative sparking of ideas. Because artists can't develop projects about technologies they don't understand anything about. And actually, by introducing them, what usually happens is you start to have kind of this really interesting exchange of ideas. You know, artists will tend to look at things in a slightly different way um, from the technologists who are obviously very market driven. Um, and that has produced some really interesting kind of responses to ideas and projects. And what Collusion are good at is um, developing those relationships and partnerships and encouraging out the kind of seeds of those ideas into a project that can work in a kind of public experience. Um, and as we develop it, we're very much thinking about, you know, who who the audience is for something and how they can engage with it and what they're going to get out of it. Um, we're very clear about, you know, what makes a good collusion project. And, you know, also we've started now to really think about how when we do develop something, you know, is it something that we could like take around and tour to other places, uh, obviously subject to, to, to funding, but, you know, extending the audience for things as well. Can I ask you, who are your clients then? Are they tech companies? Are they um, 
audiences observing this merger between tech and art. I'm, I'm really interested to understand your business a bit more. Okay, so um, Collusion is a not-for-profit organisation, um, and generally, uh, you know, the vast majority of our income is grant-based. So we will apply to funding bodies for funding to deliver specific projects. Um, but into that mix also comes direct funding from other arts organisations or artists who want us to work with them, either as part of our plans or specifically to support their work. And we have had sponsorship um, from tech companies in the past. I'd say that one of the the outcomes from the last two years and, and COVID has been that we've not been able to be on the ground chatting to tech companies and, you know, talking to them. That's how we've built our relationships and found new organisations to work with. So that's been a real issue for us. But yeah, we don't have clients in a traditional sense. We're not a consultancy who someone can like just decide to work with us. We lead projects and develop projects and also other artists will approach us about working with them on projects but we're quite selective you know about the things we want to do and I guess there has to be something of interest for us creatively within those projects. Okay so you mentioned Covid there I mean um, why don't we we kind of move on to to talking about the impact of Covid on the business I mean I, th I think it's well documented just how damaging COVID has been to the kind of creative arts as a sector, you know, when you think about how many people are freelancing in, in those kinds of roles. And I'm guessing a lot of your work is around public exhibitions and events and, as you say, being out there in the actual community. So it's, it must have been a pretty stressful 18 months for you guys. Yeah, I mean, the key thing, you know, when you're project funded, all of your funding is to do something specific that's generally in public. So the first thing that happened in March 2020 was we realised we didn't have any money really, you know, so we had a significant amount of money but it was all to do very specific things and if you can't deliver those things, you know, that's quite a scary position to be in. The kind of next thing that happened was obviously a lot of work got postponed which again, if you're working on a project basis, means that you're just pushing the delivery down the line um, rather than, you know, when you really need to be earning new money. Um, so that was quite um, an issue as well. And as I say, the other thing was, you know, not being able to network, particularly the tech sector, but others as well, to kind of build those relationships in person. Fortunately, um, we were able to access the Cultural Recovery Fund and have now had four grants as part of that programme, which has really been a lifesaver uh, in terms of supporting us to continue to exist and to allow for the changes in the activity, the project activity we had planned and to modify it, um, you know, to make sure that we can deliver it in kind of different ways. But, you know, but every time we've written a bid, circumstances have changed you know and most notably for example we had a project that was due to be delivered last March that we'd postponed to this March and up until Christmas it looks like that was what was going to happen you know and obviously then right before Christmas you know a big delay announced which had a kind of huge impact on our work it had to be pushed back to October this year because it was an outside projection based project so obviously it has to be dark enough early enough for people to participate and so you know 
every time you're constantly trying to replan and replan and replan and I should say there's two of us in our organization at the core we got another post through culture recovery fund and have had two kickstart posts so there's not a lot of capacity to kind of keep replanning this stuff but we did, you know, we're able to flex our model. We started doing more work online, including full mentoring programs, workshops, and, and a lot of the development for the for the project I just talked about being delayed, um, which is a very large public artwork. We did a huge amount of that online, um, including all the work with the lead artist. So we definitely found ways to adapt. And actually, um, some of those ways are certainly things that we'll continue with. But I mean, overall, it's made growth very hard. So it's been much more about sustaining the organisation in terms of what we've got. It's made it very difficult to plan. We've had to be very responsive and not strategic. And it means because of all that extra effort, we're very behind on our fundraising for sort of April uh, 22 onwards, because we're still kind of been wrapping up all this delayed work from the last two years. Return to the office with confidence. At the Bradfield Centre, we offer a range of flexible membership packages which put you in control of your office and homeworking mix. We have a range of high quality meeting and collaboration spaces for hire. And for event organisers, our auditorium, lakeside pavilion and atrium spaces are all back to full capacity and dates are filling up fast. If you are looking to run an event, get in touch to discuss requirements, including live video recording and live video streaming options. Visit BradfieldCentre.com for more information or call 01223 919 600. I have a question that might put you a little bit on the spot. What would you say are the top three things that people say the most about your projects, you know, once they've been a part of it and experienced it? Well, I suppose the first thing uh, people would say is that they're unexpected. So the kind of work we create tends to allow people to engage with the arts and interact with it in a way that they hadn't expected. And often they're in places they don't expect either. So, for example, um, we recently delivered a project that included a two player video game on a 28 foot grade one listed tower. We had experiences with that where you had well, my three year old at the time daughter played it with my um, 71 year old dad you know so it's a very inclusive um, process so unexpected is one of them I think that the kind of other area is that the artists we work with feel that we work in a very supportive way so often what is happening is quite a risky process for them in terms of the things they need to do to develop the work but we provide a very supportive environment to that and we've got really good experience of working with people to find solutions that ensure that project activities delivered in a way that is kind of sustainable and robust and effective and you know that tries to make the technology almost invisible and so it's about the experience for the audience member. Maybe um, the third thing would be um, dynamic and vibrant I mean we're trying to create experiences for people that are just take them out of themselves and their lives and kind of immerse them for a period of time the last project that we did in King's Inn was called the Intergalactic Hanseatic League and it posited that in the future climate change had been solved but there was a problem with the timeline and they had to come back in time to find out what the people of King's Lynn did to solve climate change so 
you know, in that case, we were kind of putting a very positive spin on something, really putting the people of the town and the, and the children in the town in particular in the position of starting to think, OK, so what did we do? How did we find solutions to, to climate change? And obviously, culture and the arts are really kind of open and sort of great way for all kinds of people, young people included, to kind of talk about the world and, and think about their role in it. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And you've kind of triggered a, another thought in my mind. I mean, you, you, know, you guys have you know experimented and used loads of different technologies and, you know, VR and all the AR and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, what's your take on metaverse and all that kind of stuff? You know, because it, it strikes me the stuff I really love about your work is, as you say, it's the inclusive nature of it. And it's the it's almost that kind of participation within the actual you know project whereas you know much of what i see from the likes of you know mark zuckerberg and folks like that it seems to be quite singular you know you might be collaborating or playing a game in a virtual environment but you're not doing it socially actually physically together do you know what i mean I do. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's notable that most of the work we do is not digital. It's physical. So we've done, you know, relatively little. I don't I can't think of any artwork, actually, that's just been online and um, because we think that people want to experience things in real life. You know, the, the kind of scope of what you can do online is relatively limited compared to what you can do as a as a kind of physical experience. And I think, you know, things like Metaverse have enormous amounts of investment in trying to kind of make these sort of routine things good for everyone. But I mean, already the art sector uh, are asking questions about this, you know, and, and the, the kind of fear is the kind of dominance of single players in the market and what that means in terms of your ability to opt out of it. Obviously, the question of your data and who owns that, they're all sort of concerns for the art sector and I'm sure we'll see some interesting projects that emerge out of this consolidation I suppose of 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 these ideas I think no one disagrees that these things are valuable and useful but the lack of competition means that it forces everyone down a single a single route you know and you take um, the VR headset, for example, and the fact that until now, and I think it might change, Facebook have forced you to have a Facebook account. And there's no way we would do a project with a technology that forces people to have an account like that. So we would, you know, we would rule out using certain type of technologies if it relied on people personally having to go down a certain route with, with a, an account. What sort of plans um, do you have for 2022 if or <laughs> we are assuming some sort of return to normality? Because I know you were you said that you were a bit behind with uh, projects because of what's happened in the last two years. Yeah, we. I mean, we have actually caught up with projects now, which is great. We've got some final reporting to do. The, the challenge is we got behind on fundraising because we were doing projects. So, um, But we do have um, a very big project planned for between January and May 22, which is called Manifesto and is the third of our climate change series in uh, Kings Lynn. We're going to be working with older young people to develop a climate change manifesto for the town. And we're going to be using um, software called Polis, so P-O-L-I-S, so which is a democratic sort of voting software to help people develop, you know, shared ideas and sort of move away from this idea of cancel culture and kind of, you know, disagreeing on the basis of their starting point. 
and that will ultimately lead to a number of different public art projects um, and a big show and parade in May. Uh, we've also got a big pro new programme of art tech play activity, which is our sort of tech development programme for artists. We need to put in a funding bid for that and uh, get the funding before we can start. But we're certainly interested in finding technology partners who might be interested in, you know, supporting or working with us on elements of that. We also work with a lot of other artists who tend to bring their projects to us. So very much interested in you know who's around in Cambridge and and what they might do and I think for anyone thinking they might be interested um, you know working with artists does give you the chance to test and explore your technologies in new ways provide really interesting opportunities for your staff to develop and grow um, working on arts projects as well and to think about things from different perspectives. Um, we're also planning a really big bid to the Arts Council for revenue funding, which is like the holy grail of arts funding. Um, so that has to be in, I think, in the middle of April. So building really strong partnerships, particularly with the tech sector, is something we'd really like to put into that bid to show, you know, that they should back us and make sure we're putting a solid gold bid in, really. So, yeah, it's there's some activity and some kind of, some of it very much relies on um, fundraising. Mm, sounds like there's a lot going on. So uh, if you're listening to this, then uh, where, where can people uh, you know, find you? How do they learn more about what you're up to? Well, you can find out more about our work on our website, which is collusion.org.uk. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me, my email address is rachel at collusion.org.uk. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for taking the time out to chat to us. You know, as you know, big fan of what you guys do. So uh, can't wait to see what 2022 holds. Awesome. Thanks, James and Adelina. Thank you as well, Rachel. Really enjoyed speaking to you. Thank you to Rachel for coming on the show today. Today's show was produced by Cole Homer of Cambridge TV and you can listen to previous episodes by searching for Inside the Bradfield Centre on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Amazon Music or by visiting bradfieldcentre.com. If you have two spare seconds, please give us a five-star review. It will really help other people discover the show. 